0: Welcome to About Mansfield, your audio newspaper. I'm Steve Casillo with the December 13th, 2023, 201st edition, always broadcasting from the Selmark Studios. Colleen Daniel is in Studio West, and we're here with the About Mansfield news team. Coming up today, it's Mansfield news, sports, and conversation.
1: And a little later in the episode, you will have a chance to win a $25 gift card to a Mansfield restaurant of your choice with our Mansfield trivia question, courtesy of Joe Jenkins Insurance. Let's take a look look at the stories we're covering this week.
0: Protecting our history. We'll talk about it in a moment with the mayor.
1: Mansfield PD asks for your help in child pornography case.
0: Area residents concerned about proposed concrete batch plant again.
1: Mansfield School Board votes on chaplains as counselors. The lot goes old fashioned on Friday.
0: In sports, Timberview girls basketball proving they're hard to beat. And in the talk segment, Steve talks with a Mansfield couple
1: whose nonprofit school works with dyslexic students. We are Mansfield's only source for news, sports, and conversation. This is about Mansfield.
0: Hey there, it's
2: Luke from Cool Hand Electric. Are you tired of dealing with plugs or lights that just won't cooperate? Well, don't fret. Give us a call. Worried about power outages or surges damaging your precious electronics? We've got you covered. Whether it's a whole house generator or surge protection, our solution-oriented Cool Hands are ready to tailor the perfect option that suits your needs and budget. At Cool Hand Electric, excellence is still cool.
1: Cool Hand, Cool Hand, Cool
3: Hand, where
1: excellence is still cool.
4: Imagine a city where innovation knows no bounds, where dreams take flight and the future unfolds before your very eyes. Welcome to Mansfield, a beacon of growth and a testament to vision. In the heart of Mansfield, a remarkable transformation is underway. But it's not just about the physical landscape. It's about the spirit that drives us forward. A spirit of collaboration that bridges cultures. A spirit of entrepreneurship that fuels prosperity and a spirit of community that binds us as one. Mansfield is more than just a place. It's a canvas where diversity paints the picture of progress. From art festivals that ignite creativity to tech hubs that redefine boundaries, this city celebrates every voice, every passion. Mansfield, where growth knows no limits and the vision is limitless. Brought to you by the unstoppable spirit of the Mansfield Economic Development Corporation.
5: No matter your familiarity with buying or selling real estate, having an experienced, trusted advisor on speed dial is priceless. The Roger and Beth team of Century 21 Judge Fight is here to be that resource for you. Whether you're buying right here in Mansfield or your dreams are taking you elsewhere, we are ready to help you with turning that vision into a reality. To learn more, visit our website at homesinmansfield.com. That's homesinmansfield.com.
6: Hi, I'm
1: Ebony Turner, and you're listening to About Mansfield.
5: This
0: portion of the news is brought
5: to you by the Grandview
0: Event Center. Welcome back to About Mansfield. The Mansfield City Council not only held one meeting on Monday night, they held two meetings, and the following opinions of those of Michael Evans may not necessarily reflect those of the Mansfield City Council. We call this a moment with the mayor, and as we do every other Tuesday top of the morning, Michael Evans. Good morning, sir. It's good to be here, Steve. Two meetings as you did in November, now
7: two meetings in December. And the reason? Well, we did the two meetings because, two reasons. One, we wanted to accommodate the citizenry because it is holiday season. And we know that a lot of people are traveling during the season. The other is we wanted to accommodate the staff. Again, it's holiday season, so we want people to uh, be able to get with their loved ones. So that's what we did. We did two in one, my friend. Speaking into the holiday season,
0: I've seen photos of you out there ringing the bell.
7: Yes, yes, yes. The mayor's challenge. And let me tell you something. I think that uh, we have defeated Arlington again. Again, I want to thank Representative David Cook, uh, who is one of the uh, chief benefactors uh, behind that effort, and MISD, our uh, city staff, the Bethlehem Church, the Boys Scouts, and the Cubs Scouts, and the Pickle Queens. And all of us work together in order to raise these dollars for the Salvation Army, which is an outstanding cause. And you know that they do a lot of work. They feed the hungry. Uh, people who don't have clothes, they give them clothes. Uh, they even help to uh, shelter people who are homeless. So uh, it's, it's, it's a great effort and a, and a fun competition. Let's get into the meetings.
0: The, uh, you started off with a finance team excellence
7: you know, I tell you what, um, we have the best finance team in the country, led by Troy Lestina, and uh, he has an awesome group. finance team received its 36th consecutive certificate of achievement for excellence in financial reporting from the Government Finance Officers Association. And again, this illustrates our continued commitment to be responsible financial stewards of your tax dollars, sir. Yeah. Nice. How's
0: the uh, progress going on the police headquarters?
7: You know what? Our police headquarters is coming right along. Uh, let me tell you about a cool thing that happened on last night. We had the opportunity, uh, council members and I, we had the opportunity to uh, sign a beam uh, that will actually be a part of the uh, new police headquarters. And uh, uh, we can't wait to open this building. We believe that it's going to provide a state-of-the-art equipment and facilities for who I like to call our community heroes. Listen, our police and 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 EMTs, they are the community heroes. These are people who run into danger when we're running out of danger. Absolutely. So we, to be honest with you, we owe them the best equipment that money can buy, to be honest with sure. you. We do. And also the best benefits and otherwise. Hey, let's get specific
0: about that. You said a beam. This We're talking about a construction beam, not yeah. a laser
7: beam. You you. Know, you know, I, I think we might be purchasing laser beams. I was—I just wasn't but, sure. But <laughs> you just said a beam. Well, we got a little Star Wars thing working <laughs> here. But hey, here's the deal. Yeah, no, it, it, is, it is a construction beam. Okay, so like, and, an, uh, like an I-beam. Yeah, and, and we signed it. Now, what kind of I-beam? Now, is it the I-beam that the Super Friends have, or is it—what are you talking about? You said a construction
0: I-beam. beam, like a okay. beam that goes over the top of oh. a uh, of a building. Okay,
7: well, you started it. I thought you meant like Superman <laughs> and his I-beam. Okay, we, we're good.
0: <laughs> the 2040 future uh, your land use plan. That that came up.
7: It did, Steve. We're having too much fun here. Okay. All right. So here's the deal. So we adopted Mansfield's 2040 land use plan. And uh, what this is, this is our outlook. I mean, we're looking at Mansfield from the next 10 to 20 years. And we appreciate because This plan was put together by the community. Our our citizens uh, planning steering committee, which your lovely wife was a part of. Mm. Our planning and zoning commission. We, we offered um, the public an opportunity to come in our open house uh, sessions. We had several of them. They came, they gave us their ideas. Uh, uh, the residents were invited to be a part of every one of the meetings. So we are feeling really good about it. So when developers and folks like that come to the city of Mansfield, they know that uh, we have a vision for the future. And let me tell you something. A lot of this stuff is happening right now. The code of ordinances. Yes. You came up Monday night. Yeah. Yeah. The city council, we updated our code of ordinances to, uh, introduce a permitting process for concrete uh, batch plants. And um, we want to make sure that our public gets notice. So people who live near those, we want them to have the opportunity to uh, give their opinion on them if uh, it looks like one of them is going to be uh, uh, put up or constructed Mm -hmm. near their home. Now, um, while a city cannot supersede state regulations. We want to make sure that we're doing our part to keep our residents uh, informed on when these things are, are done, when they come up.
0: And uh, there was a meeting Monday night. We will be talking with a Mansfield resident who is out toward the Burleson border about a uh, a concrete batch plant that uh, that may possibly be going up there. Uh, protecting our history. This is an interesting uh, uh, topic that came up.
7: Yeah, it is. Um, Believe it or not, we've had some people running into the buildings downtown. I I don't know if they've got too much fire water in them or what, but uh, protecting our history is important. And that is why, uh, we're taking steps today so that our future residents can know their roots. So uh, we introduced uh, changes to make it easier uh, for us, the city, to execute emergency repairs to our historic uh, landmarks. And uh, th- that that's so important because we have to reserve, uh, uh, excuse me, preserve our history, sir.
0: Let's talk about the sale of bonds.
7: Yes, let's talk about it. Yes. So our, our council authorized the issuance and sale of bonds uh, to help fund street improvements. Uh, that's for one. And the other is a new water treatment plant, actually an expansion. The other is construction of a new fire station. Uh, our public safety training facilities are in this the the bond issuance. Also um public art Uh, a a new animal control, a new and improved and expanded animal control facility and more. So uh, we are in good financial shape and we're able to pay for uh, those uh, uh, things that um, those necessities that a city needs and our city in particular. So that's why it's important for us to be good stewards of the taxpayers' dollars. And we
0: appreciate that.
7: Hey, listen, I tell you what, we're working hard. We've got a good team. Team, good city council. So we're trying to make it happen.
0: Let's get into the consent agenda. Just uh, tee it up. Whack it down the fairway. What happened?
7: All right. Well, we approved several business items in regard to the consent agenda. I'll just give you some of the big ones. Uh, contracts for the design of the Glen Abbey and Chapel Hill drainage improvements. Uh, funding for partnerships with uh, Tarrant County for widening Daymire Road. And and our folks who live in that area, they they know that um, that is long overdue, and as a matter of fact, the construction is underway now. Uh, we're extending Dick Price uh, Road, so um, again, we we approved the dollars to help to uh, make those things happening. So happen, so it's a lot. It's a lot going on in our city, and we, we're just excited about uh, the great work.
0: And you concluded with a work session.
7: We did. Uh, we discussed uh, neighborhood design standards. Uh, we think it's important so that uh, when developers come to Mansfield, uh, they will have an idea as to uh, the type of buildings uh, and, and homes and what we want them to look like mm. uh, when they come to town. And also, uh, we helped to... Uh, uh, ascend our sentiments uh, regarding the temporary uh, batch plant and batch plant standards. Uh, you referenced the meeting that took place uh, yesterday, the town hall that was uh, conducted uh, by uh, Representative Cook. But we also sent uh, our uh, support uh, for the residents who live uh, in uh, the Rendon area. Of course, we know that that is outside of our city limits, right. but still, we want to make it clear uh, that people know where we stand on those environmental issues. And that's important.
0: That is a wrap of two meetings for the month of December. Uh, Michael, uh, unless it's a social event, uh, I will not see you till 2024. And so a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you and the Evans family and uh, all the best.
7: And the same to the Casillo family as well. And and let me say this also. Thank you for a great year for allowing me to be a part of, of the podcast. There's there's none better than about Mansfield. You all do a great job. Thank you for keeping the community informed, and thank you for being fair. We get to hear both sides when we come to this place, and that's a blessing.
1: On Wednesday, November 29th, 2023, the Mansfield Police Department arrested 65-year-old Christian Rewalt on charges of possessing child pornography, a third-degree felony. The investigation began after detectives received a tip from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children back in August. Information received indicated that Rowalt had downloaded multiple files containing explicit sexual material involving minors. On Thursday, August 30th, the Mansfield SWAT team executed a search warrant at Riewoldt's residence and discovered various electronic devices suspected of containing child pornography. These devices were collected for forensic analysis. Officers also found a laptop bearing a Crowley ISD sticker revealing that Rewalt had a contractual role as a psychologist within their district. Riewoldt was arrested and charged with tampering with evidence. As a result of the ongoing investigation, Detective Peacock is seeking the public's assistance to determine whether there are any potential victims who may have had contact with Christian Rewalt. While there is no evidence at this time that the suspect had an appropriate contact during his contractual work at Crowley ISD, the department is releasing this information out of an abundance of caution based on the nature of these charges. If you know someone who may have come in contact with Christian Rewalt, you are urged to get in touch with Mansfield Police Detective Peacock. He can be reached by email at sheldon.peacock at mansfieldtexas.gov or by phone at 817-276- Four seven four one.
0: It's a story out of Rendon, but it affects Mansfield, especially in the when it comes to which way the wind is blowing. And a meeting took place Monday night here in Mansfield regarding the J seven ready mix concrete batch plant. And with us on the phone is uh, Brandon McElroy. First of all, welcome to About Mansfield. Yeah, thank you. You went to the meeting Monday night because this this ready mix uh, batch plant affects you. Oh, for definitely. I mean,
2: I am less than, I would say, 400, 500 feet from this batch plant. It's right in my backyard.
0: Let's go back to Batch Plant 101. What is a batch plant and why do they want to put it in your backyard?
2: Yeah, so a concrete batch plant is where um, all the material comes uh, from a site where limestone, silica, a few other materials Come sit at a a a site here that's located close to say a construct closer to a construction area where um, a concrete plant would have customers. And what they do is they mix all this material into a a silo, which then adds in the water and then creates and then puts them into those cement trucks. They do that all day every day. uh, You know, making hundreds of yards of uh, cement a day and nonstop, 24-7.
0: What are the health risks of having a batch plant uh, so close to residential neighborhoods?
2: When wind blows, that picks up that dust and creates a major issue for your lungs, creating COPD, um, long-term other effects, cancer effects, uh, brain um, issues, uh, blood issues as well. There's heavy metals inside this, as well as lots of toxic fumes um, as there's diesel generators, and not talking about the 100 trucks that would be sitting there running 24-7 as well, that would be
0: emitting uh, VOCs in the air as well. Again, this batch plant is right behind your home, and you have two boys that have their own health issues.
2: Yeah. So I have two boys, ages six and 10, and both of them suffer from asthma. Um, you know, when we we moved out this way due to when we were living in the suburbs, should we say, uh, cities of Fort Worth, it, 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 we were always on inhalers. And, you know, uh, when we speak with doctors, they were just like, this is just part of the pollution. It's just part of a lot of heavy traffic. It really upsets a lot of people's um, respiratory issues. And So we moved out uh, to the to the country life, should we say, out here to kind of get away for that and, you know, give them a break and their lungs, a little rest.
0: There was a meeting Monday evening, a town hall meeting regarding this batch plant. Uh, What were some of the key points that were addressed at Monday's meeting?
2: Yeah. So the key points here with the TCEQ were to address the applicant um, and where the public was able to ask questions and get Answers from the applicant. Uh, Not necessarily the truth answers. There's nothing telling them that they have to tell us the truth. So they're going to tell us what they want, what they think we want to hear, and try to mediate between us and the applicant to see if there's a solution that we can come across to say, hey, you know, that's fine. You you know, either allow them to come in or they can say, hey, you know what, you guys don't want it. We can go on down the road. We understand. And we want to do the right thing. Uh, TCEQ was. There to kind of hear our sides as well. And we were able to submit our comments as we're, you know, they don't answer back at that point. A couple months down the road, we'll be able to get their response
0: on um, our comments back and forth with each other. TCEQ, uh, the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality. And now... Back in November of 2020, uh, the residents also in the Mansfield Rendon area were were battling the Bosky Solutions cron- uh, concrete plant. It took two and a half years for them to finally get the permit denied. For the concrete plant, are you up for a two-and-a-half-year battle? Yeah, I mean, we'll take this on if it takes five or ten years. You know, um, we're we're not going to settle
2: and accept a concrete batch plant uh, across the street or in our backyard. Our health is more important to us than... Uh, you know, a dollar here, a dollar there. If yeah. we got to keep raising money and take this on, then that's what we'll do. Um, the Bosque plant has been, uh, the guys who fought that have been such a big help in helping us start our process. We were using the same attorney that won that battle. Um, it costs upwards of $165,000 for them to Beat that over the years, and uh, we're we're looking to hold on. And our community is donating, and we're having great backing. We're starting to get some grants that are starting to roll in. Um, big companies uh, that are willing to to help out as well, and you know we want to take this on. and Hopefully it ends sooner than later. But if it, if they want to do later, we'll 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 do later as well.
0: Tell the listeners about Green Air Solutions.
2: Yeah. So the community and I uh, decided to come together and build a uh, nonprofit uh, so we can raise money for this. Um, as you know, we were sitting here thinking it's it, with the battle and the cost of the the attorney fees and everything that was going to come uh, about on this. We were, you know, talking how how can we get funds to, you know, and make people feel secure of where this money's going. And um, so we decided we're just start this nonprofit and put it towards us some and- you know, further fights, if that's what it takes, we'll keep this green air solutions around and keep protecting Rinden.
0: Is there anything that I missed? Is there anything that you want to include here at the, as we start to wrap up this interview that I've missed, anything you think our listeners should know?
2: Yeah. So TCEQ, the Texas Environmental Quality, um, as we were just speaking about at, that we're at the meeting, those guys are uh, the ones who allow the air permit to come, For these concrete batch plants, a concrete batch plant has to have a air permit. And that's kind of where we're at right now. We're trying to get that denied. The air permit is supposed to protect the community, uh, but there's no standards to it. So Texas Environmental Quality is supposed to be for the people and protect us, and they're against us. They have a rubber stamp. They're paid by our tax dollars, and they make money off of issuing these permits, Mm. Um, there's lots of lobbying that goes on in this, the aggregate um, side of things that push these guys to have laws that are real hard for us to to beat these um, uh, applicants and batch plants out of our residential areas. What a, a lot of misconstrued uh, that we have about uh, what we're trying to do is we're not trying to make batch plants disappear. There's a need for concrete in this world. We use it. We live on it. We walk on it. We drive on it. Um, There's just a place in an industrial area for it. It's not here in our backyards in a residential area where kids are going to be playing and cause long-term health effects on us.
0: If someone wanted more information about Green Air Solutions, how can they reach out to you?
2: Greenairsolutionstexas.com. Um, we have a Facebook page as well. It's stop uh, the J7 Ready Mix plant. And you can sign up for our email list to stay intact in with us as well.
0: Brandon, we will keep uh, our eyes and ears on this story as it progresses. But if there's something that we missed, feel free to keep in contact and uh, we'll we'll do a follow-up. Appreciate you being on About Mansfield.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on. Governor Greg Abbott signed Senate Bill 763 into law, enacted on September 1st of this year, which requires school districts to vote by March 1st of next year on whether they will allow schools to have chaplains on staff. Mansfield ISD Superintendent Dr. Kimberly Cantu released a letter to the school board on Sunday that, when the board meets on Tuesday night, they vote to continue to allow chaplains in schools in their current capacity as visitors or volunteers and do not allow chaplains to be employed by school counselors. The vote Tuesday night came after our 12 noon deadline. You can read about the results of the vote on our Facebook page. Simply search for About Mansfield News Talk. "'Tis a mirthful Christmas-tide revelry at the lot this Friday night. Partake in ye old holiday pastimes and craftworks. Lend an ear to Victorian minstrels. Embark upon a holiday tram and heed a tale from Mrs. Claus. Furthermore, tour the resplendent, light the lot spectacles and linger for a timeless moving picture." "'Bring forth a plaything for the month-long Toys for Tots Drive. "'Purveyors of victuals shall be stationed on site. At eventide's start, the Lakeridge Eagle elite dancers commence the revelry at half-past five, succeeded by the Family Dream Center at the sixth bell toll. The merriments culminate with the presentation of A Christmas Carol upon the silver screen at the seventh hour. Bring a blanket and a chair. The event cometh free for all
0: revelers. Which Mansfield ISD basketball team is 16-1? We'll talk about it because sports is next.
3: Are you ready to create unforgettable
0: memories? Picture this, an enchanting event venue nestled amidst breathtaking landscapes with panoramic views right here in Mansfield. The Grandview Event Center is the perfect setting to bring your vision to life. From intimate gatherings to large scale extravaganzas, the Grandview has flexible spaces to accommodate any occasion, be it a wedding reception, corporate Christmas party, or community gathering. Book your next unforgettable experience at thegrandviewmansfield.com. That's thegrandviewmansfield.com. The Grandview Event Center where memories are made and dreams become
8: reality. Book your event today.
9: I'm Philip Washington, chief investment officer of Stonehill Wealth Management and host of the Wealth Building Made Simple podcast. First book I read in college was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it changed my life. And since then, I've read tons and tons of books on money. And what I've done is taken those lessons, simplified them, and I talk about those lessons on my podcast, Wealth Building Made Simple. So come hang out with us. We're on every major platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on YouTube. Wealth Building Made Simple.
5: The housing market is evolving as interest rates rise to meet inflation. Speculation abounds as to what the future may hold. Do you have a trusted advisor? The Roger and Beth team at Century 21 Judge Fight should be your first call in all matters concerning real estate and the market. We specialize in residential real estate for both buyers and sellers. With industry partners across North America, our resources and expertise can turn the home you've been envisioning into a reality. Visit our website at homesinmansfield.com to learn more. That's homesinmansfield.com.
0: In sports, now that high school football season is over, the focus turns to basketball. And while the five high school district teams have been hitting the hardwoods since the beginning of November, one team has been making a statement in a big way. And You know who I'm talking about, right? Exactly. The 5A Region 1, District 8, Timberview girls basketball team is currently 16-1 with a 13-game winning streak, and the games aren't even close. In the last five games, Timberview has outscored their opponents 363-136, to 136, including an 85-22 blowout over Burleson last week. As of this recording, the Wolves girls are ranked 15th in the country and second in the state and have 13 games left in the season. We will be keeping a close eye on their progress. If you have a comment about the show, the news, whatever's on your mind locally, the good, the bad, the ugly, what's on your mind, you can reach us by voicemail at 817-435-2938. Again, that's 817 435 2938. This coming Friday, December 15th, is National Underdog Day, a day where we recognize those who found victory after facing tremendous odds against them. You know, David versus Goliath, the 69 Mets, or even Rich Strike's win in the 2022 Kentucky Derby with over 8,000 to 1 odds. Underdogs come in different forms. They can be authors, scientists, actors, and much more. For example, despite having been diagnosed with dyslexia at age 11, and obtaining low grades in school, Sir Richard Branson, a name that you will hear again later in this episode, overcame tremendous odds by launching Virgin Records, became one of the most recognized businessmen in the world. So this coming Friday, it's the day where we cheer on our teams and individuals who are statistically expected to lose in competition. The Cinderella Story.
2: This crowd is gone deadly silent. Cinderella Story, out of nowhere, a former greenskeeper now. About to become the Masters champion.
7: Mm. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the
1: hole! Coming up after the break, we turn the page to the features section. High-risk pregnancy.
6: Know what to expect. I'm Angel Biasati with Methodist Mansfield, and we'll talk about it... And Methodist Mansfield News to Know.
9: In this week's Cocktail of the Week, I'll be talking about a cocktail that'll have you hurrying down the chimney.
1: We are Mansfield's only source for news, sports, and conversation. I'm Colleen Daniel, and this is About Mansfield.
0: This portion of the news was brought to you by the Grandview Event Center. Hey there, it's Luke from Cool Hand Electric. Are you tired of dealing with plugs or lights that just won't cooperate? Well, don't fret. Give us a call. Worried about
2: power outages or surges damaging your precious electronics? We've got you covered. Whether it's a whole house generator or surge protection, our solution-oriented Cool Hands are ready to tailor the perfect option that suits your needs and budget. At Cool Hand Electric, excellence is still cool. Cool
10: Hand, Cool Hand, Cool Hand, where excellence
3: is still cool.
8: At Methodist Mansfield Medical Center, we've been caring for our home team for over 15 years. Today, you'll find award-winning physicians on the medical staff, advanced neurosurgery, a Level 3 trauma center, critical care for newborns, and comprehensive orthopedic care. Methodist Mansfield, delivering the care our friends, neighbors, and home team depend on. That's community, and why so many people trust Methodist.
1: Congratulations to Andrew Gardner, who was the first person to correctly answer last week's Mansfield trivia question. Who was Mansfield's first veterinarian? According to The History of Mansfield, Texas, Dr. James W. Allman was Mansfield's first veterinarian and practiced from 1908 until his death in 1960. In the beginning, Dr. Alman treated mainly horses and cows, but expanded his practice to dogs and cats when residents began to be able to afford to have their fur babies treated. When we come back, this week's trivia question,
0: this... about Mansfield. Hey, it's Steve Casillo, and we all remember the storm that blew through our town back in June that pelted this community with baseball-sized hail. It did a ton of damage around Mansfield, including my own roof. Regular listeners to About Mansfield have heard Paul Duncan's commercials for Trinity Roofing and Construction, and after the storm, I reached out to him, and boy, am I glad that I did. From the first call to Paul, to working with the crew leader, the scheduling department, and the entire construction team, and how... How it all played out with my insurance company, working with Trinity Roofing and Construction was a breeze. It's easy to see why they're a platinum preferred contractor with Owens Corning with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. So if you're thinking on replacing your roof, look no further than Trinity Roofing and Construction. They're a Mansfield-based company, and you can find them on the web at Trinity trinityroofingconstruction.com. Again, that's Trinity Roofing Construction. Hi, this is Joe Jenkins with Joe Jenkins Farmers Insurance, specializing in auto, home, commercial, and life insurance. I was born and raised
2: here in Mansfield, Texas. We're active in the community, and Mansfield's a town we really care about. Our office has over 30 years' experience in the insurance industry, and we're passionate about what we do and about customer service. For a free quote, please visit our website at jojenkinsinsurance.com or give us a call at 817-472-6058. Once again, that
0: website is com. It is time, right now, right here, right now, for the highly coveted, wildly popular About Mansfield trivia question – if you are the first person to email the correct answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com, you will receive a $25 gift card to a Mansfield restaurant of your choice. It's brought to you by Joe Jenkins Insurance. Whether you're looking for homeowners, auto, commercial, or any other type of insurance, Joe has helped Mansfield area residents understand the insurance coverage that best fit their needs since 2010. You can find him on the internet at JenkinsInsurance.com. Colleen? It's your turn.
1: Well, Steve, the Mansfield Star Center opened its doors back in August of 2018, bringing hockey and other ice-related activities to Mansfield with its two rinks. The rinks are named after two retired Dallas Stars hockey players. This week's trivia question is, name one of the two former Dallas Stars players that the rinks at the Mansfield Star Center are named after. Email your answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com. Again, name one of the two former Dallas Stars players that the rinks at the Mansfield Star Center are named after. Good luck, and thanks to Joe Jenkins Insurance for the gift card. Hi, this is Jason Perrin, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield, your audio newspaper. Let's open up the features section. Angel Biasati is here and says, know what to expect when it comes to high-risk pregnancies in Methodist Mansfield News to Know. Angel? If you want to start
6: a family or extend one, maternal fetal medicine specialist Jennifer Hernandez, what are some of the specific things that might contribute to a high-risk pregnancy, Dr. Hernandez?
10: What I recommend for anybody considering a pregnancy in the future is to make sure you know your family history, make sure that you have all of your chronic medical conditions as well controlled and optimized as possible, and to make sure you're taking daily prenatal vitamins to reduce certain risk factors when you do get pregnant.
6: We know that various complications can develop during pregnancy that can pose risks like preeclampsia, if you're having twins, placenta position, inadequate fetal growth, etc., Dr. Hernandez, what can a mom do to minimize the risk?
10: to our unborn baby. There are a lot of things we can control in pregnancy and a lot of things that are out of our control. Certainly, again, I recommend making sure all of your chronic medical conditions are well controlled before pregnancy, but coming to see a a high-risk pregnancy specialist myself and, of course, starting with your obstetrician to make sure we know all about your chronic medical conditions and working to manage them throughout the whole pregnancy is the first and foremost thing I would recommend. But a lot of things like placental location and fetal growth, these are things that are sometimes out of our control, so don't feel like you're doing something to harm your baby or uh, the, the outcome of your pregnancy. There are a lot of things that I, as a high-risk pregnancy specialist, would walk you through. Uh, but a lot of things that we can control, we work together. And a lot of things that we can't control, that's why I'm there to help out and, and guide you for the best management and outcomes.
6: What can women do to prepare their body uh, to have a healthy baby?
10: In general, just taking good care of yourself, eating well, exercise is of course always ideal for everybody. Movement is good and just uh, maintaining a a healthy lifestyle prior to pregnancy is is first and foremost. But working with your primary care physician ahead of time to make sure that your chronic medical conditions are well controlled, that you're taking your prescription medications as recommended, avoiding alcohol, tobacco, illicit drug use. Of course, these are all things that we don't recommend as you look forward to any pregnancy and during any pregnancy, but these are all things that you can do to, to improve all the outcomes that are in your control with any upcoming pregnancy.
6: Dr. Hernandez, you had a high-risk pregnancy with twins a few years ago. Can you share your experience as a mom who's been through a high-risk pregnancy with us?
10: Of course. Well, it's been more than a few years. They just turned 12, so they are <laughs> growing up fast. It goes by very quickly. But yes, I do remember my pregnancy very well. I was um, also, yes, a high-risk patient and a high-risk physician at the same time, which was quite uh, interesting to be on the other side of the table, but I trusted my uh, medical team of course, with every decision and let them guide me as much as I guide my own patients. But... It was complicated from the minute we got pregnant until the minute we delivered, but we were just grateful for the care, and I actually delivered in Mansfield, so I remember that day, of course, very well and will always remember it. I'm very grateful for the care I received there and tell my patients about that all the time, but um, it's a wonderful place to deliver, and I, of course, trust to have my patients be taken care of there as much as I trusted myself to be taken care of there.
6: Dr. Hernandez, what if a woman has a preterm baby at Methodist Mansfield? What do we have to offer?
10: We are fortunate to have a wonderful NICU in our hospital. And of course, NICU stands for the Neonatal Intensive Care Unit. And not just accommodates preterm babies, but any baby that has needs after delivery. So a NICU is certainly important for any baby at any gestational age if there's any sort of condition that would warrant further evaluation and and management after delivery. So the high-risk doctors work in conjunction with the neonatologists who manage the NICU, and we take care of your baby before birth and after birth in Mansfield, and that area is growing Thank you for sharing.
6: I know at Methodist Mansfield, there's wonderful parenting classes, social work assistants, physical therapists, dietitians, diabetic educators, and including Dr. Hernandez and others who are there to support you and care for you and your growing family. Thank you, Dr. Hernandez. That's Methodist Mansfield News to Know. I'm Angel Biasati reporting for the About Mansfield podcast.
1: Shaken or stirred, you know it's going to be good as Brian Certain serves up a Christmas related drink that'll have you hurrying down the chimney in the cocktail of the week. Brian?
9: This week's cocktail of the week is the Santa Baby Cocktail. Today continues our fun take on Christmas-themed cocktails. And with that in mind, ho, 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 get ready to jingle those bells, introducing the new holiday cocktail that's sure to land you on the nice list, the Santa Baby. This festive pink sipper dresses up a bubbly rosé wine for a flirty, spirited twist, perfect for spreading Christmas cheer. One taste of its cherry sweet kiss, and you'll be eager to cozy up by the fire with your very own St. Nick. So be good this year and get ready to jingle all the way with the Santa Baby Cocktail. But don't worry about taking notes as I'm giving out the ingredients and instructions. I always post them on bourbongospel.com. And with that in mind, you can also sign up on bourbongospel.com and have the Cocktail of the Week delivered directly to your inbox every Wednesday. This week's cocktail is the Santa Baby cocktail. Pro suggestion, make the simple syrup first so it has time to cool before making cocktails. So to make the raspberry lemon simple syrup, you're going to need fresh raspberries, you're going to need agave nectar or regular white sugar, you're going to need a half cup of water, and fresh lemon juice. In a small saucepan, combine the raspberries the agave or sugar, and water. You're gonna heat over medium heat, stirring frequently until the sugar dissolves. Remove from heat and stir in the lemon juice. Let cool completely, then strain out the raspberry seeds using a fine mesh strainer. I usually find I need to do this twice, but this makes enough syrup for about eight cocktails. To make the cocktail, you're gonna need that raspberry lemon simple syrup. You're gonna need some chambord, and you're gonna need some sparkling Brut Rose. Some optional garnishes are gonna be edible glitter powder and metallic sprinkles for rimming the glass and some fresh raspberries. To make the cocktail, rim a coupe glass with edible glitter and or sprinkles. To do that, you're gonna dip the rim of the glass in simple syrup, then sprinkle on the glitter and the sprinkles, and then set the glass aside. In a cocktail shaker, you're then going to add the raspberry lemon simple syrup and shambord and with ice and shake well, and then pour into the coupe glass and then top with sparkling rosé. You're then going to garnish with some fresh raspberries on a cocktail pick. The tart raspberries and the bright lemon in the homemade simple syrup provide a sweet tart flavor base for the cocktail. The Chambord, or raspberry liqueur, contributes more ripe berry flavor. The bubbly Brut Rose adds an effervescence and a touch of dryness to balance the sweetness. The fresh raspberry garnish adds a pop of color to the cocktail, and overall, this is a very festive fruit-forward sipper perfect for the holiday parties or a sexy nightcap or two. The sparkling rosé gives it a beautiful pink hue, reminiscent of Santa's cheeks. Cheers to the holidays with Santa Baby. If you want to make a non-alcoholic version of this cocktail, emit the Chambord and replace the champagne with sparkling water or seltzer. You can add a little more simple syrup to make up for the Chambord or add a splash of lemonade. Pro tip. Depending on how fine your sieve is, you may want to strain the simple syrup twice or more to remove all the seeds. As always, I'm open to hear you're taking your input. You can reach me at brian at bourbongospel.com. And until next week, as Mark Twain said, too much of anything is bad, but too much whiskey is barely enough. Reporting for the About Mansfield podcast...
1: I'm
0: Brian Certain.
1: We're back in 60 seconds with Steve's interview with the owners of School of Lexia.
0: Hey, it's Steve Casillo. And are you ready to make your voice heard? Want to bring out your ideas to life through captivating conversations and engaging visuals? Look no further than Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio, your one stop destination for award winning audio and video podcast recording. Equipped with cutting edge microphones, crystal clear audio recording, and high definition cameras. We're here to turn your ideas into engrossing content, but it's not just about the equipment We're dedicated to bringing out the best in your content Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, we're here to elevate your podcasting game We'll even help you with intro music, transitions, voiceover, and that professional polish that sets your podcast apart So whether you're into interviews, storytelling, or simply sharing your expertise, Podcast Mansfield is can help bring your podcasting dreams to life. Visit podcastmansfield.com. Podcast Mansfield, where creating your podcast masterpiece has never been easier. Hi, I'm Dr. Joseph Adams, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to another segment of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo as we make the transition from news to talk. And in the studio today, uh, we're going to get a little serious. We're going to talk about education. We're going to talk about uh, learning disabilities. We're going to talk about... um, Specifically, dyslexia, and a couple here in in Mansfield who uh, they they've opened a school. It's been open for a while, but uh, the success of their school means they're looking to expand. And anyway, let's just jump right into it. Linnea and Jason Oxley from the Lexia School. Welcome to About Mansfield.
8: Hello, thank you.
3: Hi, thanks for having us, Steve.
0: First of all, before we get into Dyslexia. First, give me the 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 elevator pitch about what is the Lexia School.
3: I'm going to let Linnea share her initial vision. This is a vision she's had for over 20 years. Yes. Yeah.
8: Yeah, so actually, this is God's plan for for our family, for the district, for all the students in the community. My I grew up. My brother had dyslexia and ADHD. He struggled with learning, um, and every day after school, it was a battle. He was exhausted from all of his learning, trying to give his best, um, and he would be enraged sometimes, um, frustrated, not having a good relationship with the rest of the family because he was at his wit's end.
0: You've already answered one of the questions I was going to ask in that Based on your, your knee-deep in d- dyslexia, uh, if dyslexia has actually been in your family, and, and you said your brother, how did that affect him? How did that affect your family?
8: First, the teachers would compare us. He would compare, because I'm the oldest. Mm-hmm. So teachers like, oh, you're Linnea's brother. Um, And that immediately brought anxiety because he knew he struggled with literacy and memorizing facts um, and reading fluently and also comprehension because of his ADHD. And so immediately that always brought an awareness to both parties like, okay, what is going on here? Um, and he struggled um, for several years. And then when he was in sixth grade, my mom, who was an educator, um, went to a conference about dyslexia. And she came home and she told um, my dad, she was like, I think Lance is dyslexic. And so they went to Texas Scottish Wright Hospital in Dallas, they got him assessed, and they found him a therapist, a certified academic language therapist, who um, received 750 clinical teaching hours in order to do what they do to help students read, um, dyslexic students become more fluent readers. Um, and so once he got the interventions um, and the accommodations in school, he um, became more successful. Hmm. Um, and he was went off to college and then even went back to get his master's. So he has been quite accomplished, even though his elementary years were quite a struggle. Sure. And so it is one in five. And so not only does my brother have it, but um, one of his children has it because um, it is highly genetic. Um, and then we also think my father had dyslexia growing up, but they didn't know it was dyslexia at that time. Wow. Um, and then Jason also um, has a, um, his sister's son is dyslexic. And he also uh, thinks that he has some dyslexic tendencies, but they were not identified in his school that he grew up.
0: Let's go now all the way back to the beginning. Dyslexia 101. What is it? Because when I think of dyslexia, I think of, oh, it's people who read backwards or it's, it's, at which I guess is is not true. I mean they're not <laughs> they're not reading processing language of areas the in difficulty have conditioned medical. I mean, which I just read that sentence backwards <laughs> which I guess is a really elementary way of
3: thinking that's what dyslexia is, but okay, can I can I start Jason what me. is dyslexia? So dyslexia is a decoding issue the pathways that the language travels through the brain, there's combinations of letters and sequences that have to be unlocked. And a lot of people, a neurotypical brain will unlock those automatically because they've been memorized and understood. And it's a natural, you see it, you say it for the dyslexic brain, they're unlocking each combination of letters every time they see them brand new, and they have to manipulate those letters in their brain. And it goes through a series of mental gymnastics for them to actually get that word every time they see it. It's mm. it's a little bit more complicated than that, but the pathway that it travels through the brain is much farther than it is for the typical brain. And so there's a measurable work increase when they're processing the words. And So decoding is the key word, yeah. um, and then I'll let you correct yes, or add to that. Yes,
8: with the foundation of that phonemic awareness, the sounds – so like all children are born, and what is the first thing they do? They hear sounds, and and they are trying to make connections with that sound and what their parents are saying. Um, and so a student with dyslexia, they still, you know, hear everything the same, um, but the way that their brain is processing that sound to form words is a little bit different. Um, and then when they start adding print to that, that even makes it more difficult. And then you're asking to you know, read this combination of letters and prints with these that match up to sounds is um, difficult. So a lot of our students that have dyslexia also had um, speech delays because their brain was not able to break down that phonemic awareness. Um, And so instead of, you know, all students, all children, when they're little, instead of saying spaghetti, they may say paschetti. Right. Um, And so that is actually very common with a lot of words um, with students that have dyslexia. But hindsight is twenty twenty. You don't really think about that because they're just learning how to say words.
0: Almost every kid says spaghetti. Put yeah, right. the not every kid has dyslexia.
8: Correct.
0: So eventually, kids fall out of that. They call mm-hmm. it spaghetti. Those that have the difficulty in the the comprehension mm-hmm. is that what's going on? No, no,
8: there is no. Average dyslexic. <laughs> Every <laughs> dyslexic is individualized. It's on a uh, spectrum. Yeah. Okay. However, the way that they're, uh, each brain is recalling different things. So a dyslexic student has average to above average cognitive ability and they may, may take an hour to read one simple passage, mm-hmm. but because their cognitive ability is higher, they're able to comprehend it no matter how slow they are reading the most common comorbid um, learning difference with dyslexia is ADHD. Right. So that is very hard to focus. So if you're dyslexic and you're ADHD, that's when the comprehension becomes a difficulty because it's really hard to focus that long time when your brain is trying to decode every word as you're reading.
0: The When you say the the cognitive... It may take them an hour to read a passage, but they will retain it almost like a photographic memory.
8: well, they put the visual they put visual pictures in their head as they're reading.
0: Oh uh, gotcha. There's no cure Correct. to dyslexia. Is there a little bit of dyslexia versus a lot of dyslexia or is it everybody who has it is a hundred percent?
3: So it is on a spectrum. you have some that are more profoundly dyslexic um, and then of course the other percentage. Well, no, I was just talking about the comorbidity of ADD, mm-hmm. ADD ADHD. Some have a thing called uh, dysgraphia, dyscalculia, and these are other facets of it with numbers and writing. It, it can make it even that much more difficult to process. But the real trouble with dyslexia is not IQ or brightness, but it's the label that kids get when they're identified as a slow reader. They get lumped into Special a, ed. a category and... Um, It's a label that they'll own probably for the rest of their life once, regardless of how bright they are, if they hesitate to read or or don't do it proficiently, then they get kind of just pushed to the side because the the teachers typically can only teach to the average student, right? and they want to bring that level. So as we were preparing for the school, I kind of figured out, self-diagnosed, we already knew I was ADD, but what we didn't know is I was (laughs) dyslexic. Hmm. and. Out of all the earmarks, I had nine of them out of nine. And so I was like, how did I make it through school without ever being assessed? Well, in our generation, people didn't get quite assessed very much. Um, But what happened was uh, we, we had three different reading groups when I was in third grade. A reading groups, most proficient. B, average. C, below average. And I was in the B reading group, and I knew I was in the wrong place because I couldn't keep up. I Hmm. I was always late to finish the passages, um, have to take the books home, work on it after hours, that sort of thing. Um, But then we had the standardized testing, and the teacher pulled me aside and said, hey, we're looking at your standardized test, and we realized that we think we have you in the wrong reading group. And I was like, oh, they've kind of found me out. (laughs) And she said, you're gifted and talented, so you need to be in a reading group. Oh, wow. And so the label that I owned at that point kind of was a self-fulfilling prophecy, um, I ended up getting a college degree, ended up getting a master's degree, um, but it was all a work ethic that I strived for in order to live up to somebody else's expectations. Um, so the dyslexic, we can train their brain to be more efficient with how they decode. So it's still there, but we've, we've taught them to cheat the brain so that they can put those sounds together more efficiently. All right. Let's <clears> go back to... You've got a small child. At what point
0: does it become a parent to a parent? That their
3: child is dyslexic. So the first question I would ask, Linnea, is what do you think is the earliest that can be de- identified?
8: That is different philosophies. Um, but kindergarten is when you're probably going to see the first signs. However, um, a lot of diagnosticians will not assess a student for dyslexia at that age because there is so much that you learn in kindergarten, um, so much foundation that needs to be made in that literacy area. So it is very difficult to determine, is this a lack of education or is this really a learning difference? Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of schools and districts in the state of Texas, um, they wait until uh, first grade or even second grade to identify students because they want to have that literacy foundation. Um, however, parents need to know, they need to think back, okay, did my child, was my child late to speak? How was their speech? Did they have lots of? um, Did they see a speech therapist as a as a toddler? Um, Are they learning their letters and sounds? That um, effectively is it equivalent to their peers in their classroom?
0: My daughter was late to speak, only to find out as we took her to the pediatrician, and the pediatrician first asked, "Does she have an older sibling?" Well, yes, she does. Does the sibling do all the answering for? Your daughter, well, as a matter of fact, he does. Okay, the next time that happens, stop your son and ask your daughter again. Oh my gosh, she wouldn't stop talking. (laughs)
3: uh,
0: Yeah, we literally, we. What's wrong with Sophia? Because she's she's not talking.
3: Well, so the second part of your question is the state mandated screening to happen at the kindergarten first grade level about.
8: 2018 probably 2017
3: okay. 2019. So it, it was kind of coming into effect right as COVID hit. So as you can tell, as you would guess, COVID slowed down that process of kids getting assessed and mm-hmm. screened. Not just because they were learning from home, but because those K1 screeners weren't actually able to happen. Um, so right now in 2023, we're just now starting to see kind of an on onslaught of um, recognition for what kind of learning differences kids. Have, um, as they're in fifth grade and they're still reading at a kindergarten level, right? Um, it's it's becoming obvious that it's not just the COVID uh, gap that's been created. What year did the two of you open School of Lexia? We formed School of Lexia in 2019 on paper, and the school started in 2020 in the thick of COVID. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
8: In fact, we uh, that. You know, in 2020, in August, when students were going back to school, they weren't going back to school. They were right. doing everything online. Um, and so we found a state uh, little side education law that if your child has a specific learning difference, that this type of learning would not benefit them. Then yes, try to seek out a um, you know in person type of education. Um, and so we were in the midst of um, joining a, a church and, and leasing their area, and and that went down. And so we were trying to find another location. So we st- actually started the school out of our home.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we were one of the only schools allowed to meet in person because of the modality of learning had to be done in person. Yeah, so we had an exemption from the. The home. The state. The online learning. Mm So in 2020, when COVID first hit, March of 2020... um, and we realized that kids were going to be at home. She was pretty upset that all of her kids were going to fall behind. So she said, I've got to do something online for them. Like this was before anybody was doing anything. Mm-hmm. And she said, I'm going to do. Because that was an
8: educator for Yeah, she,
3: she worked at, oh, yeah. a, at okay. an elementary school in Mansfield. Or, I'm sorry, a fifth and sixth grade. Mary Ors the school she was at. Mm-hmm. And she had over 50 dyslexic students at that time. And she said, I'm going to come up with something where they could do it from home. Before the the state mandated us doing that, and she put it out online, opened it to the public, and we had 270 students sign up for that. Wow! So that was our first list of, okay, there is a need for the school. Um, and bef- so that that's oh, that actually brings up a great question, Linnea, that
0: that you oh, so you were a fifth and sixth grade teacher mm-hmm. dealing with dyslexia. Mm-hmm is there a difference between the what you're doing now in a private school versus what the public school or the school district was asking you to do
8: so currently public schools and the state of texas they um they try to hire dyslexia specialists but if they're not, they're not able to have that certification they hire reading specialists mm-hmm. and students are either pulled out of their one of their content area classrooms or they're pulled during an what they call a um A block of time where either you go to a GT class or you go to get interventions or you go to (laughs) a a GT gifted and talented, sorry, gifted and talented class. Um, And so a lot of a a few of my students um, were labeled gifted and talented and dyslexic. And so in order for them to get their therapy for the dyslexia, in order to be a stronger reader, they had to miss out on this gifted and talented extracurricular activity that they were doing within the school system, which was not beneficial for them. Um, And so that was what was happening within um, their block of therapy time. But then when they went back to the classroom, they were in a class of like 23 kids um, with a teacher who might not be knowledgeable of dyslexia, no, not to say they weren't an effective teacher, mm-hmm. but they may not have known the accommodations that were absolutely needed for this student. And they're checking in and reteaching that a dyslexic student sometimes needs. Um, and with a class of twenty three, it's it's almost impossible for a teacher to effectively do that. Right. So at School of Lexia. We provide a one- to eight ratio where the class sizes are smaller, and within our instruction, all the accommodations are given um, at the same time to all of the students.
0: I'm, I read that, and you you touched on this, the creative side of the brain is, is far exceeds the, the the learning disability side of the brain. and it, arts, music, or is, does that take place in the uh, the school of Lexia? Oh, you just smiled like
3: like oh, of course. (laughs) (laughs) So
0: it's pretty
8: broad.
3: Like, and I'll let you answer because, but but it's the dyslexic brain is very vast. Like, you have a lot of very famous scientists Mm -hmm. who are dyslexic. Einstein is believed. I was going to say Einstein, Uh, Steve Jobs. um, You've got Richard Branson, very entrepreneurs, scientific minds. But you've also got creative types like Robin Williams and. Whoopi Goldberg and other actresses. Um, Nolan Ryan was dyslexic or Hmm. is dyslexic. So it's not really, you can't really pigeonhole what the person's going to be good at. True. But, but, be- definitely arts, fine arts, and I'll let you talk about what we're doing with fine arts Yes, and, well, and Destination Imagination.
8: Yes, yeah, so Destination of Imagination is a organization similar to Odyssey of the Mind, if you're in the other parts of the United States, um, that was, I guess, originated, oh, I want to say the 1970s, um, and it was originally designed for students who weren't gifted and talented, and it incorporated um, engineering tasks um, with, one cord- with one part of it, but then the other part Involved um, fine arts such as making music or theatrical or improv um, or scientific um, challenges of some kind. Yes. And so I had. With both our boys are also gifted and talented, and I helped them coach some of their teams. And when I coached their team, I, I told my husband, "Oh, we are doing this. We are mm-hmm. totally doing this." And so, um, that first year um, with my little my little group of eight, I told them, "Okay, we're going to compete at Destination Imagination. Have y'all ever heard of this?" And three of the kids raised their hand, and um, and I was like, "Yes, yes. Tell me about it." And they're like. Yeah, I wanted to be in it, but I was told I couldn't, Mm. and I was like, what? And so then the other little student that was raising their hand, they're like, Yeah, that's what I was told too. And then the third student, yes, me as well. Because like what Jason was saying earlier, they were given a label of you can't read, right, so you can't compete. Um and that was the mentality that was seen, unfortunately. And I was like, Oh, we're gonna show them how to, how it's done. And so um and this is something I as a as a coach, you can't do anything. You just have to sit back Read the task and say, okay, let's not argue over that right now. Or um, you need paint, I'll get you paint, um, that type of thing. And so that year, the team that I had among the many um, challenges that can compete in did an engineering task. And they had to build a 3D building and then um, also incorporate a skit the, into to put in portrayal of how this building would work in these times. Um, And so they got third place in the whole region Wow! from one side of um, Dallas, from the way over on the other side of Dallas to the other side of Fort Worth. Um, And so we went to the state and our scores rose because we got to get a chance then to kind of make it a little bit better. Yeah. So their scores went up um, and then we were asked to go to Globals. So um, it was- Same kids that
3: weren't allowed. Oh my gosh, same kids. Yeah.
8: So um so it's really like he was saying it's really school of Lexia is not about seeing what they can't do but what they can do um, and helping them unwrap that and growing forward with it. Um, we our school only goes to um, eighth grade because mm-hmm. once a student finds their giftedness or finds what they are um, what their brain is networked to do amazingly, yeah. High schools usually are able to tap in that with their career um, and tech, um, Athletics centers, fine
3: arts, and everything.
8: Yes, and so that really then once they get that going, that helps motivate them to graduation. Sure.
3: Jason, uh,
0: before we start recording, you had mentioned you, there are three components to your school, and and I wanted to touch on that for, uh, before, before we, we forget. Before before we get before <laughs> we get into before I take
3: another right turn. So tell me about the three components of School of Lexia. Okay. To lead into that, um, I, I mentioned that I was given this label of gifted and talented when yeah. I was in third grade, and that helped me get you know all the way through college and graduate school. So when we sat down to start the school, we thought it's really important that the kids become social and emotionally healthy. Uh, kids who are coming to us are typically fighting their parents. They don't want to be at school. They're crying. They're upset about, kids are calling them names whatever mm-hmm. they might be experiencing so we wanted them to understand that if your brain is networked differently uniquely and we don't call it a learning disability we call it a learning difference because they do learn differently um, and it's not a disability as a matter of fact it's a superpower in some ways because they're better at things that other kids than, than other kids are right in certain areas so it was really important to us for, that they learn that their brain was intentionally. Designed that way, like God did it on purpose because He has a plan, and they're the only ones that can fulfill that plan. Other kids can't do it, even though they're better readers. You're going to be better at these other things. So we we feel that every kid that comes to us is gifted in some way, and our goal is to unlock that. So we have um, three components to the school. The first one is a full day private school. Uh, We meet on the same days that Mansfield ISD meets. So we correspond to the calendar, mm-hmm. um, same timeline, eight o'clock in the morning till three fifteen in the afternoon. Uh, we cover the core academics, uh, language arts, uh, math, science, social studies. Those things happen four days a week with one hour of academics for every one hour af- academics. They take a 10 minute brain break. So they go outside, they have a chat, they eat a snack, they move around, um, sort of to refocus for the next hour, we do a daily devotional where we talk about God and the Bible. We're not governed by any denomination, but we want God to be part of the conversation because as I said, he networked your brain intentionally. Yeah, And we need to understand if if God did this, like we need to look into what his purpose is. So that's part of our school. And then on Wednesdays, we do fine arts and that's that's kind of the focus all day. Fine arts and STEM is the focus all day on Wednesdays. And we prep for Destination Imagination and we do singing and we do fine right. arts, uh, different arts. And in, in the spring, they'll focus on theater a little bit. Um, the second component is uh-huh. after school dyslexia therapy. We use a program called Take Flight. Our teachers are certified academic language therapists, C A L T. And uh, as Linnea said, that's what she was inspired by. The therapist that worked with her brother when she was growing up was a count. So after she graduated from Texas Tech, she went on to TCU, got her master's degree in in special education. And then after that, she went to SMU to become a count. Ah. Um, so that was a postgraduate degree that she got at SMU. And then after that, She wanted to become a QI, which is a higher level count where she could supervise other counts. And she did that also through SMU. So two postgraduate degrees at SMU. Um, so that she could be one of what I believe is 112 in the country now, count QIs right here in Mansfield. Right here in Mansfield. Yeah. And so she is hired by other school districts to go and train their dyslexia specialists. Um, we have a lot of plans to do some unique things that aren't available yet to anybody in the country that We feel like we can help pioneer some of that stuff.
0: And for the for the after-school program, Mm -hmm. do you have to be a student of the school to attend the after-school program?
3: Good point. So our full-day school students get the dyslexia therapy in the day. Mm -hmm. So the after-school students are students that go to other schools. So either they're homeschooled, they go to a private school, public school, charter school, anywhere. If they typically they have some connection or they can't afford to do the full day school. So the after school dyslexia therapy is a more affordable way to kind of get that help. Um, the only problem is if they're ADHD and they're dyslexic, mm-hmm. they've already taxed their brain out throughout the day. So it is a little bit difficult for them to come in and concentrate for another hour every day. Yeah. So that after school program is 4 days a week for an hour a day. Did we touch on all three components? No, there's the, one more. There's one more that's what um, I thought. And the summer program is something that kind of started the whole school idea. Um, she's been doing the summer program for 25 plus years. Wow. And basically that was designed to eliminate the reading gap that occurs over the summer. So a student will uh do an assessment at the end of the school year in May. And then typically over the summer, they'll digress three or four reading levels. When they come back, they start behind where they were. And so she was trying to eliminate that by doing this program for the summer. For the younger kids, they do decoding classes. And for the older kids, they do uh, fluency and comprehension classes. And for the even older, like fifth and sixth, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade writing classes, and some of them would do all the classes, some of them just the one that they needed to focus on. And those students, when they go back, were testing out three to four grade level or levels higher than what they left. So there's like an eight reading level differential between the students that weren't coming to us and the ones that were, all the way to the point where, um, at one point, almost seventy percent of our students were children of professional educators. Wow. So okay. th- the word was getting around um, and, and they were sending their kids to us, and, which is a lot of good success. And the kids were loving it. They're having fun. And that's the only way you can make a successful summer program. <laughs> well,
0: and, and I'm glad you mentioned the word success because it was actually in my next question was uh, success. Too much success actually leads to a problem. And that's yeah. a problem that the
3: your school is experiencing that you ha- are starting to outgrow your school. Yeah. So even four years ago, when we first formed our board and decided to start school, that was because the summer program was too popular. She only had room for 26 students. Mm. And we had a waiting list of nine in April for the July program. So mm. that's when she first decided that she would train somebody. Um, this past summer, we had 100 students in our summer program. Um, and we're out of space now. So uh, we love the location and Trinity Presbyterian Church, or, which is now Grace Trinity Grace Church mm-hmm. uh, has been very gracious to us and has blessed us. Uh, great location, great people, um, and great building. and um, if if we could stay there we would. <laughs> love we love it. but we are seeking a new place because we we see that the oh, well, back in 2019, mm-hmm. we talked about one in five students has dyslexia or right. some form of it only 3% of MISD in 2019 was identified as dyslexic. Only 3%, although... 3% instead of 20%. Although 20% of... On a global level... On a global level, 20%... 20% of the population has dyslexia or some derivation of it. So 85% of the actual dyslexic population was unidentified in 2019 in Mansfield. Wow. Not to say that's anybody's fault, but it just... We know that the... We're barely seeing the tip of the iceberg, if that makes sense.
0: Now we have some pretty intelligent people that that, that listen to this podcast. In fact, the the most intelligent people in Mansfield listen to news <laughs> and talk. I believe it. And somebody out there has got to know of a location that that um, that that your school can move to. If I mean, there, there's got to be some place here in Mansfield that that you can grow into. And so with that, uh, I'm gonna. Actually, pose this as a two two part question. If if a parent is the parent of someone with dyslexia, how can they? And then uh, the other part of that question is, if someone knows of a large size building that can handle mm. a school, how can they contact uh, Jason and Linnea Oxley regarding
3: the School of Lexia? So the first thing would be the easiest way is just to go through our website, and that's School of Lexia. .org, .org. .org. Um, schooloflexia.org. Our contact information is pretty easy to find there. The email address will be info at schooloflexia.org. You can use my first and last name, jason.oxley at schooloflexia.org as well.
0: And you mentioned a board. And usually when you, someone says a board, uh, at least when I th- think of a board, I think of a 501c3. You
3: are a nonprofit. We, we are. We're a 501c3 uh, incorporated in 2019 and then 501c3 status awarded in 2020.
0: So even if some major corporation was looking for a tax write-off before the end of the year? Yes,
3: 100%. That'd be a place to yeah. uh, write right. their check. Uh, my friend John Geierman is sitting here with us. He is also on our board and he's been really helping us out trying to brainstorm solutions. Uh, there's a number of people that are involved in that, but a real big shout out to our board. They're very, very supportive and encouraging. And what we've done and what we'll continue to do, we couldn't have done without them. Mm-hmm. So
0: I am going to. Open the mic to either one of you if you want to give a, a shout-out. You've already mentioned a shout-out to the board, and, uh, mm-hmm. but um, uh, Linnea or Jason, um, shout-out or thanks or anything in the last minute or so that we have, and um, the, the the floor is yours.
8: Um, we're just so grateful for the community. Different opportunities have come um upon us that we didn't think. We're so thankful for the first... uh, Uh,
3: The Turkey Trot of Mansfield um, sponsored the school, and so the parents of one of our students, do you want to say their names? Raul and Megan Dehara I want to appreciate them. Um, I also run a Facebook group for mountain bikers, and over the last couple of years, that Facebook group has grown to 18,000 people. So that's it's a mountain biking and DFW is the group, and there's retail entities that have donated to the school for a chance to participate in the Facebook group. So, for example, Suninsky Sports last year donated a five thousand dollars mountain bike, which we raffled off and raised eleven thousand dollars that hmm. went to scholarship money for kids to be able to attend the school. So um, we're doing our best to make sure that the price of the school is better than um, other places that give an equal, uh, opportunity for dyslexic students. So there's a, just a handful of schools that are similar to what we do. Uh, we are the only one within 15 miles of Mansfield. Um, there's a couple in Dallas and Fort Worth and the price is typically is on some of them is almost double what we're charging to do it. So we're trying to make it within grasp for most people. And for those that can't afford it, we're trying to offer scholarships.
8: Yeah. And so. shout out to our amazing staff. We have a yeah. g- amazing teachers that have hearts of gold for these kiddos and just want them to be successful just like we do.
3: Yeah. Awesome. We, we really do have some awesome teachers. So grateful for them. Schooloflexia.org.
0: Is where people can go to for and contact, uh, and, and again, info at schooloflexia.org is the email address. Linnea and Jason, thank you. You've answered actually a lot of questions that, that I've had about dyslexia. Again, something I didn't know about until I started doing research maybe an hour ago.
3: And so it, some really impressive stat um, 40% of all self made millionaires are dyslexic. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that. Um, but yeah, so. There's a pretty good chance if they're business owners or entrepreneurs listening to this podcast, you're probably, uh, you could be one of the many unassessed dyslexics out there. Hmm. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of very profound people that yeah. are. That Amazing. Are,
0: Amazing. I sure appreciate it. And thank you for uh, being on About Mansfield.
3: Thank you for having us. We really appreciate it.
0: Coming up next week on About Mansfield, we will talk in studio yet with another fine Mansfield resident. You will just have to tune in to find out who it is. In the meantime, this is the place where you will hear the latest Mansfield news, sports, and conversation. Until then, don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, share love or support this podcast if you haven't already so you never miss an episode. It's free and it's easy. Head on over to our website, aboutmansfield.com, enter your email address right there on the homepage. We will never send you any spam. We promise.
1: About Mansfield is recorded at Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. Hosts, Steve Casillo and Colleen Daniel. Moment with the Mayor feature, Michael Evans. Methodist Mansfield News to Know... Angel B. Asati, Mansfield Real Estate Market Update, Beth Steinke, Cultural Arts Calendar, Tim Roberts, Cocktail of the Week, Brian Sarton, Post-Production Editing, Mixing, and Mastering, Steve Casillo and Andrew Miner.
0: This podcast is copyrighted by Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio for the private use of our audience. Any other use of this podcast without written consent is <sighs> prohibited. We thank you all for listening. On behalf of the entire news team, I'm Steve Casillo, and this is about Mansfield.